Honor of Shavuos, we're going to study tonight a classic tshuva on the subject of dairy bread. There is an ancient minog to eat dairy foods on Shavuos, in particular dairy bread. The bread, or the, the eker is the bread, according to the Ramaz, rather prosaic, not so inspirational interpretation of the minog. The reason they used to eat dairy on Shavuos was because they would have to bring different bread on the table when they use dairy and when they use meat. Of course, they would have meat after the dairy. You're not going to have pseudoscientific without meat. The whole point of the dairy was to require a separate meal, kind of, with separate bread, and that this way they would have to have two breads, and that would be a zecher for the shtei So the entire dairy is just a kind of, the entire idea of dairy, according to the Ramah, is just a kind of roundabout way of causing us to have to bring two sets of bread to the table, which will be a symbol of the an allusion to the Shtelechem, which was a carbon consisting of two loaves of bread. There are many other interpretations of the Minog of why we eat dairy. It's a famous iconic custom whose origins are a little murky. In any event, though, we're going to speak tonight about a, a tshuva, about a halacha, the halacha of dairy bread, which actually has, actually the Ramaz in his discussion of dairy bread mentioned Shavuos. We're going to discuss a, an important and uh, classic tshuva of the Marit. The Maritz was Rav Yosef of Trani, a great Turkish posseg from about 400 years ago. He was the son of Rav Moshe of Trani, the Mabit, Moshe ben Yosef of Trani. And the Maritz was uh, Moshe ben somebody of Trani, I think. The, I think Yosef, the, his son Yosef, was Rabbi Yosef ben Moshe of Trani. He's known as the Maritz. So before we begin the actual tshuva, though, we're going to take a look at the, the, the Talmudic background of the question of dairy bread. There is a halacha, which we're about to see in the Talmud. You're not allowed to make either dairy bread or fleshic bread. You have to make only par bread. I'm not sure how widely known, understood this halacha is, but you, bread must be par. You are not allowed to make, with certain exceptions, as we'll discuss, but in general, you're not allowed to make fleshic bread or milchic bread. The reason is, is exera that you may come to eat the bread with the other type of food. And even b'dievet, if you, if you do make milchic bread or fleshic bread, it's considered non-kosher. Midrabanan, it's non-kosher. Can't eat it at all, even by itself. Such bread is oster. It, uh, it, it's an isr drabanan to, to, eat, to eat such bread. The Gemara is in Maseches Pesachim. The Gemara says, if you have a tanura, you have an oven, the tachu tichya, it was smeared with grease, meat fat, they didn't have all the vegetable oils we have today. You know, grease and fat was typically uh, animal-based. So you're not allowed to eat the bread that was then baked in that oven. Afilu b'milcha, even with parv, even to eat it by itself with salt. You can't eat such bread at all. The, even without milchiks, the bread is considered non-kosher. Why? It's exera. Dilma asilomechle You may come to eat it with kutach, which was a milk-based uh, product they used to eat. So basically it's Xera of Chazal. Because this bread cannot be eaten with milk, they said you can't eat it at all. That's Xera, that, that fleshic bread is oster, because you may come to eat it with milk. The Gemara then brings another brysa. The brysa says, Ein lashen You're not allowed to add milk to the dough when you make, uh, when you make, when you make bread. You can, so just like you can't have fleshic bread, you can't have milchic bread. Vim lush, and if you did, if you violated this halacha, if you made milchic bread, even by the the bread is oster. You can't eat it even by itself, even as parv. You can't eat the bread at all. Again, same idea that you may come to eat the bread with fleshic. So you're not allowed to make fleshic bread, and if you do 
that bread cannot be eaten at all, even by itself, even with parf. You're not allowed to make milking bread, and if you do, that bread is usher, can't be eaten at all, even by itself. That is what the Gemara says. You're not allowed to make fleshic bread, you're not allowed to make milking bread. A few from later in the Gemara, the Gemara says, the Gemara gives a heter, the Gemara gives one major exception to this. Ravina said, Ke'en Torah is okay. If you make it like, like a Torah, Tav Vav, Resh Aleph, Aramaic word, Torah, then it is okay. The, very, very unclear what Ke'en Torah is. What, what does that mean to make it Ke'en Torah? What is a Torah and why is that mutter? So there's a major machlok to be shown him. It's such an odd phrase that it's, you know, we shouldn't struggle to understand what this means. Rashi says, Ke'en Torah means a small amount. Ein means ayin, the eye, the, literally the eye. Torah means an ox. So if you make a small amount, like the eye of an ox, I'm not sure how big the eye of an ox is and why in Aramaic idiom they would have chosen to use the eye of an ox to refer to a small amount. But if you eat, if you make a small amount the size of an eye of an ox, that is permitted because you'll eat it in one shot. It's a single serving. You'll eat it. You'll finish it. You won't leave it lying around for, uh, for a week or two, and you might forget what it is, and you eat it with the wrong, uh, if it's flesh, you can eat it with milk, or vice versa. If it's a small amount, a single serving, then it is okay. And that's how Rashi understands Cain Torah, that if you make a single serving, we'll discuss it a little bit soon, what that means. How, how, how much is that? How small is a single serving? But if you make a small amount, that's how Rashi understands Cain Torah. The Rif and the Rambam have a different interpretation of Cain Torah. Rambam says... Ram just says, Im shina apas, If you alter the shape of the bread, you make it in an unusual shape, to the, to the point that it is nikeres, it is distinct, that you won't eat it with, uh, that, 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 you, that you won't eat it with, uh, with, with the wrong type of food. Hareza mutter, that's mutter. They understood Ke'en Torah. The Torah brings this shot from the Rif. The Rif says it's in Chulin. Make a shinoi pirush tzuros ke'en ashar You make Cain means like. Cain doesn't mean an eye. Cain means uh, like, like, like the image of. So you make them uh, shaped like an ox, an unusual, uh, striking form. That's okay because everyone yiskar. People will, will will know. People will remember sheish bachalov that it's dairy bread, and they'll make sure not to eat it with flesh. So Rashi's pshat is you make a small amount. The Rif and the Rambam their pshat is that you make a a distinct and unusual shape. Then it is mutter. The Post can bring from the Hago Dura that we paskin like both of these ideas, even though the Gemara presumably meant one or the other. There are two very different readings of the Gemara. The Gemara meant one or the other, but they're both, they're both correct. They both make sense, so they're both true. A single serving is mutter, a small amount is mutter, and if it's an, un, an unusual shape, it's mutter as well. The Ramah in Shulchan Aruch in Yerdea, the Ramah writes that we, we accept these hetairim, Velochei, Nagin, Lolosh Pasim, Chalabachaka Shavuos. On Shavuos, we make dairy bread. And also on Shabbos we make fleshic bread, gambeshuman. They used animal fat to make the bread for Shabbos, the challah for Shabbos. Why? What's the hetert? What's the hetert to make dairy bread on Shavuos and to make fleshic bread on an ordinary Shabbos? Kicholza mechshav kedavar muat. That first of all you have both a term. First you have the heter of davar muat. That 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 apparently the Ramah is saying even, even a challah that you make for Shabbos if it's meant to be eaten over one day over one weekend that's also called davar muat. Uh, that that's enough. Contemporary posts can discuss what that means. If you, if you have a package of rolls, how many rolls? Do you look at each roll separately? Or do you look at the whole package together? And if you, look at the, the rolls, if you look at the whole package together, how many rolls, how big can it be before it becomes Dover Maruba, not Dover Muat? We're not going to get into all those details, but the, 
Dover Muat, according to, according to Rashi, the heter of Ka'in Torah is Dover Muat. According to the Ramah, the, the amount of bread that was typically baked for Shavuos or for a Shabbos, that's called Dover Muat, and that's Mutter. Moreover, the Ramah says you have the other heter, the heter, the, the heter of Ka'in Torah, as, as explained by the Riff and the Rambam as well, to Rasin Meshunah Mishar Pas, the, the shape of these breads that they used to bake, the challah for Shabbos or the Shavuos milchik bread. The shape of these breads was Mishunah from other types of breads. It was unusual. Everyone said, oh, that's a Shabbos challah. And they knew Shabbos challahs had Shuman. Or, oh, that's, uh, that's a Shavuos bread. And they knew Shavuos bread was milchik. Kolshkein pladin or pashtida. Pladin were some type of uh, blintz type food of bread with cheese and pashtida. was a bread with a meat filling or something like that. Mutarin that these are also mutter because these were, these were classic foods. If you see a pizza, you know it has cheese. You, even if you don't recognize the cheese per se, you see pizza. Everyone knows pizza is generally dough and cheese. Or people recognize these types of foods, and they knew that, uh, they knew that this is not a par food. They knew this is a fleshic food, this is a milchic food. So a- any time that the, that the tzura is mishuna from ordinary bread, that's a heter as well. And these heterim apply to the fleshic bread they used to bake for Shabbos, and for the milchik bread, they used to bake for Shavuos. So with this background, we'll turn now to the tshuva of the Marit. The Marit was something of a, you know, was a close, close to a contemporary of the Ramah, a little bit after the Beis Yosef, maybe a little bit younger than the Ramah. So the Marit writes, the, the tshuva is addressed to apparently a uh, good friend of the Marit. He, 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 he introduces him in the beginning of the tshuva with some very, uh, very gracious, very warm language. Ba'avas Hashem Esa'eda, Hashem loved the Jewish people. Um, that Am Bachar Hashem L'shichno L'shichno V'kano Asher Nata Yimino Hashem sent you and you my correspondent L'michia L'michia L'fnehem that Hashem sent you to be their, their rabbi this person had become a rav and I'm so happy he says that, uh, that, that, you, that you have a position the Kisei covered Ala Torah V'avoda and you teach people the, the Torah and the Halacha and uh and when, when, when I got your letter, I was very happy because I'm such good friends with you, he says, Gam mitmol, gam mishulsham, that, uh, that your words are always so, so, so good and clear. From, as long as I've known you, he says, we have a covenant of love and of affection between us, he says. And he says, I'm, I'm so happy to see your, your correspondence, he says, of the letter you sent me. Upanisi ani mikal iske, mikal asakai. I have uh, turned away from all my other affairs. My other affairs of and I'm going to focus on answering your questions. As long as I have time, I'm going to deal with your questions. So the, the first part of the tshuva, the part we're going to study tonight, deals with a certain type of baked good. It's not entirely clear exactly what it was. I mean, I don't know the cuisine of that place of that time. It was some kind of baked good. It had, it, he describes it as Aldvar HaKeven, some kind of wafers or some kind of, some kind of wafer things. HaMeshuchim Ba'alya. They were rubbed, they were smeared, rubbed with alya, with uh, fat from an animal's tail. So animal fat. The, the, these pastries, you know, different types of baked goods, once you get beyond pure, simple bread, baked goods often have oils. We typically use, we typically use plant-based oils for most of our cooking and baking. Certainly Jews who have kashrus issues, but even non-Jews uh, today, most people use different types of vegetable oils, olive oils for most of their cooking and baking. But again, many of our vegetable oils are manufactured products. They're partially hydrogenated. They're, they're made in factories. They weren't available back then. Olive oil is and certainly was expensive. So uh, as Amaret's going to say later with the tshuva, the animal fat oils in, in, in Europe, they used to do a lot of cooking and stuff with schmaltz. 
So animal oils were often cheaper and, and, and more available. So they had, a, they had a certain kind of wafer, a certain kind of baked good in, in this city that was typically baked. Yeah, it was typically, they, they, used, they used animal fat instead of a plant-based oil on this, uh, on this product. And Yesh Lostrat, the Shiloh was, you're allowed to do this. Is, is it kosher even? You're not allowed to have fleshic bread. It's an offering Gemara, Gemara in Psachim. Ain Lashnes Isa Bechalav and Lash Kalapas Kulasura. You're not allowed to make bread with milk or, or meat, the Gemara says, or animal fat. And if you do, then the, the bread is Aster. Now, the, it's true the Gemara did have an exception. The Gemara said, Kain Torah is, is fine. Rashi said it means a small amount. We mentioned, he brings, the Rif says it means uh, an unusual shape. And he brings the language of the Rashba. The Rashba says that you make it in an, in an unusual shape because anyone who sees the, the unusual shape will say, why do they do it like this? Why, why do they make such an odd shape? Oh, it must, be, uh, it must be some kind of point to this. He'll ask around, what's the deal with this? Why are these breads shaped so, so strangely? And they'll tell him, and they'll tell him, uh, oh, it's because it's, we want to make sure people know that it's milking. So the, the Rashba is similar to the riff, that the shape, the Kain Torah means the shape is unusual, and the shape will cause people to realize that it's not the regular bread. And the, the Rashba goes even further and says the shape has to be so unusual, not just that it's different from regular bread, but that it's different enough that people are going to say, why, people are going to wonder about it, people are going to ask questions, why is it shaped like this? And they're going to say, oh, it's, they're going to be told, oh, it's because this bread is milk. So, says the Maritz correspondent, he says, says the Maritz correspondent, he says, so let, let's discuss now the, the bread that we have in our city, these, uh, these Kaven and Meshuchim Baalia, these, these breads that, that had a coating, uh, that, 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 that had applied to them animal fat. He says, Lo They're certainly not shaped oddly enough that people are going to say, why are they shaped like this? Maybe they had a unique shape. Maybe, the, maybe, the, maybe this type of Danish or whatever it was had a particular look to it. Everyone could say, oh, these are the people who know what they are, can recognize them. But nobody's going to say, this is, a, this is a strange shape. Why do they do it like this? And they're going to start asking questions. So that reason doesn't apply. So what's the hatter? What's the hatter to make these types of baked goods? Says the Marit, I agree with you. I agree that that hatter of the Cain Torah, of the Rif, and the Rambam, and the Rashba, that it's unusual... There's nothing unusual, even if they have their own distinct shape, there's nothing unusual and, and puzzling about it that's going to cause people to start asking questions. Nobody's going to ask, nobody's going to answer. So that, that, that whole Cain Torah, that whole Cain Torah is, uh, goes out the window. Rashi's argument that they bake small amounts, I, I, I don't know, I, I, don't know how, I don't know how big these were or, 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 or how, how much they baked at a time, but certainly the Cain Torah of the Rift does not apply. Says the Marit, the Efsher, we do have a widespread minog to, to bake these things. So people apparently, you know, we, we try to understand, we try to justify an existing minog always. Maybe the reason is, he says, this is a standard practice. Everyone in the city bakes using animal fat. Because oil, plant-based oil, was expensive. Says the Marit, Everyone knows that, that these types of baked goods, these types of pastries and baked goods, were always, always used animal fat, and it, it, even, even though there's nothing unusual about the shape, but it's a well-known thing. It's universally done in our city. That's what everyone does. 
And therefore, the only time you need a shinui and people have to, you should have, people have to, should have to ask and be told that it's milchik or fleshik is bedaver shein darkobakach. That's something that people don't usually do it like this. If you're, if you're deviating from the norm, nobody's going to know. So you have to make it in an unusual shape so, so, to get people to realize. But av bedaver shein darko, something which is, is normal and universally done this way in the city, nobody has to ask because, it's, uh, because everyone knows that, that the Danishes in the city are all made out of are all made using animal fat. They're all, the Danishes in our city are all flesher. Okay? Says the Marit, that makes sense, but the problem is, what the Marit is concerned about is that the... He says, but what about people who are visiting? What about guests? People come from outside the city. They don't know that all the Danishes in the city are fleshic. They see a Danish. They, 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 why should they assume it's fleshic? Most people don't make Danishes using fleshic ingredients. They're not going to know. And he says, that, and, and he says it happened many times. That there, there were poor people, visitors from outside the city. They picked up one of these Danishes and they ate it with cheese. They ate it with milk. They had no idea that it was a flesh, that in this city all the Danishes are fleshing. So the Marit then goes into uh, back and forth on this question: Do we worry about people coming from outside the city? He goes back and forth. He says that the language of the tour. He says, "Is we're worried about you that you might forget." And then the whole hecker of the odd, of the unusual shape is for you. You have to remember, he says, that, the, that, that, that we don't worry about other people, but the Rashba says, the Haroah Yodea, that the, the, the other people who see it are going to, uh, are going to, are going to ha- and the Hecker has to be for them as well. So he brings the, the different, different language, of the, language of different Rishonim uh, that has that different implications as to whether it's enough that you know what the, what's going on, or it has to be that anyone who sees the Danish is going to know we worry about uh, other people as well. Maybe he says when the Rashford says other people, he means your family, because they're, you're responsible for them, they're, they're, they're in your jurisdiction, but we, we don't care about guests, that, that, that's, uh, that because whoever invites them, whoever, whoever arranges their accommodations, whoever provides them food, will tell them the rules that Danishes in the city are fleshic. Uh, maybe they're just going to take it away you know, out of the city, we, we don't worry about that, and... Uh, Okay, so he goes back and forth on this question of whether, of whether we have to worry about guests. And he says that the... He says in general, making a shinui in the, in the shape is not going to be a hacker for the guests, because how do they know what, what the bread is normally shaped like in this town? I mean, if the bread is universal in one way, I guess you can make it different from the universal way, but if the bread is different in every town, which it often was, I guess, before they had mass production, then uh, how would a guest know, know about the shinui at all? So he's, in, he's inclined to say that the, he's inclined to say that we don't worry about guests, that, the, that, that we don't worry about guests, he says. So, good. So, so at this point, we have a hatter again, he says, if, 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 if that even though you're not making any kind of shinui, all the Danishes in the city are shaped a certain way, but since everyone who lives here knows, everyone knows that Danishes are fleishik, they all know that the Danishes in this town are, are, are the standard Danishes fleishik, maybe you don't have to worry about a shinui, because maybe this is a third hatter, a hatter that if everyone knows that a, a certain type of product is milchik or fleshik, maybe, maybe that's okay, and maybe you don't need any, maybe, 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 maybe nothing further is required. This actually is the, was the heter, apparently, at one point, for the, the OU, the OU Kashrus organization, has for many years given a, give, Kashrus agencies do not generally give hachsherim on dairy breads, because of this halacha, because, because of this halacha, that you're not allowed to make dairy bread, the cashless agencies generally do not certify dairy bread, but there are certain exceptions. The OU, for, for, for years, certifies certain brands of English muffins, and they marked OUD. 
So what's the hetzer? OUD, there's dairy in there. How can you how can you certify the how can you certify such a thing? So the OU various articles by OU people or on the OU's websites have given three or four different justifications for why the OU does this. There is a certain amount of confusion about this. One of the OU articles says, OUKosher.org, one of their frequently asked questions, it says, at one time it was argued that English muffins have a unique shape, and therefore the first leniency applies. That the shape is unique, so it's, uh, it's like a shinui in the tzura, so that's, or, or like the Marita saying, everyone knows that this product is, is typically dairy. So you, you have this kind of hatter. So they say, well, this explanation may have been true at one time, the OU no longer considers this valid. At present, there are both dairy and power of English muffins commercially available, and therefore we can't argue that uh, a dairy muffin is uniquely shaped, because muffins in general have a shape, and it's not limited to dairy muffins. And therefore, therefore, the, the heter of Cain, Torah of the Rif, the OU says, does not apply. Some people argue that the other heter applies. A muffin is a davermut, a single muffin. It's one sitting. So you have the heter of Rashi's Cain, Torah, a small amount. They say they reject that as well because they're typically sold in packages and they, and they believe the package should be viewed as one unit and a package of muffins is certainly more than one serving. So why do they certify the, the, the English muffins? They say currently the primary justification is that the amount of dairy is less than 1 in 60. Even though the OU does not, gen- like most cashless agencies, does not generally certify a process that involves even a small amount of ISR, where you're relying on Bittel Bashishim, even though that's Mutter B'dyeved, the cashless agencies, the OU, major cashless agencies, do not generally certify products that rely on Bittel. But in this case, they do, because it's not really Isser in the first place. They explain, dairy, Chazal made Xera, but dairy itself is not trafe. Dairy is fine. You're just not supposed to make, uh, you're not supposed to make dairy bread. Here, we allow you to be Mavatel Chatila. If you're putting in less than 60, that, uh, this OU article says that's the primary hetzer. If it's less than 60 and it's not really Oster in the first place, it's just dairy bread and it's less than 60, so it'll be Batel. The OU, the, OU allows, the, the OU allows that. There are other articles, as I said, where they give other explanations of, uh, other explanations of their position. But for whatever reason, the, the, OU, the OU, like most cashless agencies, do not generally certify dairy bread. English muffins is an exception for one of these reasons, either because it's, it's a unique shape for dairy muffins or because it's bottle bashishim. One of the, there's an article by one of the other cashless agencies I read by the, by the COR. COR is a, I think, Canadian hechsher. It is the, it is the, Yeah, they, they are a, the largest kosher certification agency in Canada. So the COR has a whole article that were asked to certify a naan bread. I don't know how you pronounce that. N-A-A-N. It's an Indian bread. And it's typically made with dairy ingredients. And their answer was, no, we will not do it. It is, they go through all these different heterim, and they, 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 all the different heterim, why we might be able to matter giving a heksher. And they say, no, that the, even even if the finished product is individually packed, so it's a small amount, since we're producing it on a, on a, lot, a mass scale, you don't have the hetero of Dover Muat, and it's sold in packages of four or more, which, like the OU says, might be more than a... Uh, might, might be more than a... Uh, Muat. They say if the manufacturer produces a large amount, but, but, split, but, but splits the dough, and the consumer bakes it, maybe that's more of a hetero. So they go, they go through all these various heterim. They don't like it, and they... Uh, they don't like it. They, they discuss the OU's hetero of Bittel. 
but they, um, they, they, they say it's not relevant to naan bread because it, it's not bottle, it has a large amount of milk. Therefore, they say there is no solid ground on which to permit the kosher certification of dairy naan bread, and therefore they will not certify it. This is, in general, my understanding, is the position of modern kashrus agencies. They don't like most of the, they do, they don't like most of the heterim involved. There is a whole discussion as to whether the packaging of the bread uh, can, can serve as a, as a reminder that it's dairy. There were those who argued that if the, that, that if the bread is packaged, that's, uh, that if the bread is packaged, that's okay. But the, they say that Rav Salavechik, they say that, that, that Rav Yosheber Salavechik followed his father's ruling and that of the Chakmas Adam and Aruch HaShulchan, reported by Rav Herschel Schechter and Rav Menachem Ganak that a sign on the packaging is a sufficient reminder. Rabbi Chaim Jachter writes that a few decades ago, many of the finest kashrus organizations relied on Rav Salavechik, but today they no longer do this. And a, a, a rabbinical coordinator, one of the leading kashrus organizations, told him, told Rabbi Jachter, that they said there was once a troubling event where an eminent Rav accidentally ate meat sandwich and dairy bread. The Rebbitson didn't realize the bread was dairy. And the Rabbanim realized that, uh, in principle, you can argue that writing dairy on the package should be enough. In practice, it's not, it doesn't work that well. As Rav Jachter puts it, although Rav Salavechik's logic is impeccable, his ruling is problematic on a practical level, and other poskim disagree with the whole underpinnings of this. So in any event, poskim don't, uh, the Aksharim today don't typically rely on this idea of marking the package. So as we said, there is really no good, widely accepted heter to, to, uh, to, to produce, to offer for sale dairy bread, and therefore cashless agencies don't want to do it. So the Marit, the, the Marit proposes that if we have a case like the English muffins of yore, where they were universally made a certain way and all these breads were fleshik or milchik, that would be okay. Even if the guests don't know the code, they don't know, what, they don't know what, this, what this product is, we don't worry about the guests, we worry about the locals. So the Marit argues that maybe that could be a hetter, so that, so, so that, so that, that, that might be a hetter for some products. However, he says, I don't think this is a good hetter, he says. We find that uh, people, just like, just like the Rav Jacker says about Rav Salavechik, we find cases where people were nichshal, guests in the city. We find practically it was, leading to, it was causing problems, he says. So I don't know, uh, I don't know, it's not such a great hetter, he says. Furthermore, he says, if they're commercially sold, my whole side to be mekil is if they're, if, they're not, if they're privately made, then you don't have to worry about guests. If they're commercially available, they're sold in the stores, he says, Certainly, you have to worry about uh, non non uh, non local people who buy these in the stores. He says, if you're going to tell me that the min, that the minhag in the, the the local minhag should 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 work for everyone, he says no. He doesn't think that's a correct argument. He says, and and so on and so forth. And therefore, he says that, that that's his conclusion that if they are that that if they're sold in stores, he says that the that you can't rely on the seller telling every non-local customer, no, warning, this is dairy bread, make sure you understand the implications of this. We can't rely on that. And he, he therefore concludes that if the breads are commercially available, we don't rely on these warnings. And therefore, the Marit feels that we don't have a good hatter at this point for these types of baked goods. At the end of the day, it's, uh, he, again, he doesn't get into the question of single serving. Maybe they were too big for that. He says, if you want to rely on the shape, the shape was not particularly unusual. It, it might have been, uh, it might have had a distinct shape in the town, but there wasn't anything unusual that was going to make people pause and stop and say, "Wait, why is it shaped like this?" Oh, it must be that, uh, must be that the, 
that this is milchik or fleshik. I often have this question that they say in Israel, I think they say that the cheese barekas are, the, that, that the kashrus agencies tell them to make them in a, that, 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 that to make them in a certain way, to make, to make them in a certain way, cheese barekas have a certain shape, so people should know what they are. But again, I mean, barekas, there are power barekas, there are potato barekas, and so on, and even if a, a local Yerushalmi is going is to know that a, a breka shaped like this is potato and shaped like that is dairy, American tourists, are they going to know? I don't know. If I, went, if I went to Yerushalayim tomorrow, I don't know that I could tell you offhand which is a potato breka and which is a, a cheese breka. I have this question on Shavuos a lot. I, 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 apparently I'm in a strong minority here, but I really don't like cheesecake. And when, when I see cakes on a, at a party on Shavuos, I, I'm, I'm very concerned to avoid the, the dairy ones, not because of cashers, but because uh, eating cheese makes me uh, makes me quite uncomfortable. Cheese in my cake, so I like to figure out which or which. I can't always tell. It's not too easy to tell what's a cheesecake and what's a uh, and what's a non cheesecake. So uh, other conventions, yeah, I don't know. But uh, I've been living in the U.S. for decades, and I, I I can't tell you if there is a standard convention of what a cheesecake looks like and what a non-cheesecake looks like, and with barekas, I guess it depends. If, if, it, if it's really universally understood, if even the people in the, in the U.S. know, that would be fine. If people in the U.S. don't know, then uh, we might have issues again, according to what we're saying. So the Marit still doesn't feel that he has a, a really good heter for these caven, for these types of baked goods that had animal fat in them. He still doesn't really feel that he has a, uh, a solid heter. He says, so he says, I have a new heter. He says that apparently his correspondent was describing, the way his correspondent described it to him, there wasn't a whole lot of, uh, of animal product in this, in, in, this, in this baked good. He says that it seems that there's less than, well, there's less than 60, that, that, that it's butel, that, that, that it's not nosing tam, that there's not enough alia to really give it a taste. I don't know why they were putting it in if it didn't give it a taste, but it's, uh, he says it's, uh, he says that we're talking about so little that the that 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 it's bottled davar muat, you'd be allowed to eat it with cheese. You'd even be allowed to eat it with cheese because it's uh, because whatever shuman there is, whatever animal fat there is, it's bottled. So he goes back and forth on this. He says that the he says that the animal fat is bottled, which is again what the OU says. That they're relying on one version of the OU document says that's what they rely on for the English muffins. Marit was saying it about animal fat. They're saying it about dairy, but it's the same idea. Marit says again, that the, even though normally you're not allowed to mavatal isr a Jew is not allowed to deliberately mix in a small amount of isr, even if it will be batel, you're not allowed to do that lechatchila. Says the Marit that, like the OU, this is different because this is heter beheter, dairy is not isr, dairy is heter, and therefore it is mutter. Several years ago, as, as we mentioned, several, as the COR says, this is, a, this is an old machlokus, whether the din of bitel isr applies to dairy bread and dairy foods. Several years ago in this share, we discussed a, a classic tshuva of the Temach Tedek from around the same time, so about 400 years ago, about a case where the wine merchants, the, the wine of, of one year's vintage was cloudy. It was apparently, it wasn't a taste issue, it just was aesthetically unappealing. It didn't look very nice. It was a kind of cloudy, um, uh, muddy look. And the, the wine people developed a technique to clarify it by putting in small amounts of either milk or wheat. And there were questions about whether you, if you put in milk, you're getting into this question of dairy bread. The Gemara talks about bread. It's a major machlok sacronim, whether it applies to other foods that are typically parv or only bread. Some posts can say it's limited to bread. Other posts can say it applies to any food that's typically parv. You're not allowed to make a fleshic or milchic version of it. 
The Tzemach Tzedek is, is, is Machmer. He assumes that it applies to other foods as well, like wine, at least with wine it applies to. And he says, even if the amount of, of, uh, even if the amount of milk or wheat they're going to put in, milk is relevant to the question of dairy bread, and wheat is relevant to using the wine for Pesach, even if you're going to put in a very small amount, he says, it's batal b'shishim, but you can't be batal l'shul So some posts can say, this is, a, this is an issue of bitter l'shul and that's, that's, that's related to the idea that cashless agencies, even if they're not doing it themselves, don't want to certify products where their certification is being given on a product that involves bitter. On the other hand, the Maritz says, no, the Maritz is mekel. The Maritz says, this is not an issue of bitter l'shul this is heter beheter, like the OU said about the muffins. This is not mixing in iser to heter. This is mixing in dairy with bread. They're both mutter. So there is no iser of imavatlan iser lechatchila. So just like the OU says, they're not worried about certifying a product that uses bittel if the, the bittel is heter beheter. It's all mutter. There's no iser involved. So too, the Marit says, he's not worried about bittel iser lechatchila when you make dairy bread, if it, or fleshic bread in his case, if there's a small amount of uh, a fleshic, then it's bittel. It's not a problem, and therefore he says, if it's true that the, insofar as this is true, that the amount of animal fat in, the, in, the, in these breads are very small, less than 1 in 60, then it's okay, then you don't have to worry about the issue of making fleshic bread. In the final paragraph, he says a, uh, another very important kula. This kula is widely brought by later postkim as well. He says, some kind of danishes, some kind of pastries that they made also using animal fat. He says, that I, I, have, I have a solid hatter. That I have a, a very straightforward hatter for. Bechol inyan, eni roa behem beis mechush. I don't think there's any problem at all in making fleshic danishes. Why? Afilu haya benosin tam. Even if there is, there, there is enough to be nosin tam, even if there is an, enough that the fleshic is not batel, vishain derech la'achlam and gvina. People do not eat danishes with cheese. Now, again, in the United States, people most certainly eat pastries with milk. Maybe not cheese per se, but, but certainly people, that's the classic way to enjoy a cookie or a piece of cake or a Danish with a glass of milk or with coffee that has milk in it very often. So I don't know, again, I don't know what, what the eating habits were like in uh, Svardik, Turkey or 400 years ago, but the Maritz is telling us that these gluskos, these, uh, these fancy types of baked goods, he says people don't eat them with milchik. They're full of sweets and, and sweet type. It was, it was some kind of pastry, some kind of uh, sweet confection, he says. People don't eat that with cheese. In, in, in halacha, it's a little confusing sometimes. When we want to say dairy, we use the word dairy, or in Yiddish, we use milchik, or chalavi in modern Hebrew. In, in rabbinic Hebrew, for some reason, they, they often used to use the word gvina. They used to say, you know, I'll eat it with gvina. You know, I'll eat. When, when they wanted to say dairy, they often said gvina. Now, gvina means cheese. I don't know why, classically, the postkim often use the word gvina when they want to say dairy. In this case, it makes a difference, because it might not be so common to eat uh, a piece of chocolate cake with cheese, but it certainly is common, to, in our culture at least, to eat chocolate cake with, with milk. So, I don't know, again, it's hard to say without knowing what the Maritz uh, eating habits were in his place, but he says people don't eat these things, whatever they are, they don't eat them with dairy. Because of the nature of what they are, the tastes involved, they don't go with dairy. Nobody eats it with dairy, he says. Vimbanu lachush. So it's therefore, therefore it's mutter, because Gesundheit makes these Danishes fleshik, because nobody's ever going to eat one of these Danishes with milk. Now, he says, maybe you'll tell me, not so simple. Even if, you know, even if they just don't go with dairies, you won't eat them with milk, he says. But imbanu lachush liochalach ramgvina, maybe you'll eat milk after one of these Danishes. You'll eat a Danish, and then two hours later, you'll have a, you'll have a snack and you'll eat some cheese. So maybe he says, that you'll do. 
He says, Lepisco shall marik. He says, Shapatzik shemutter lechel kibinach or tavshel basar. There is a sheet of some posts can say you're allowed to eat cheese after, if you don't eat meat itself, just a, a dish that was cooked with meat. Still, there's a chashikal mecha shiachlena bloki nuach. You still have to clean out your mouth in between. You won't do that. Maybe, maybe there's still a, such a concern. You can't have a fleshic Danish, even if you won't eat it with dairy, because you might eat dairy too soon after the Danish, within six hours, without washing your mouth out. He says, Ivra, filo bikinuach aser. He says, Kinuach doesn't even help here, he says, because the, the time of the buster remains. He, go, he goes back and forth with the, deal, the, the denim of waiting six hours between meat and dairy. He says, there's no, there's no such chashash. This whole gzera of Chazal, he, as he was saying at the end of the tshuva, we don't make up our own extensions. We take what Chazal gave us. Chazal said the gzera is, you might eat the bread with meat, with milk or with meat. That's the gzera. If there's, if there's a concern that you'll actually eat it with meat or dairy, that's what we're worried about. But if, the concern, if, if because of the nature of the taste involved, you won't eat it with meat or dairy, the only concern is you'll eat it, you'll eat it afterward, he says, that's not something Chazalwa goes here. This whole thing about dairy bread is Xera. If the whole Xera is, you might come to eat it afterward. That's not something Chazalwa goes here, he says. He says, there's no such Xera. Chazal weren't goes here, that. He says, he has other, other arguments for leniency as well. And his bottom line is, he says, he says that Dayenu, the last couple of lines of the Tshuva, he says, Dayenu Masha Asru, it's sufficient for us to, to be uh, stringent about that which Chazal actually prohibited. It's not our responsibility, it's not our job to start expanding the Gzera and encompassing more cases. Yosef ben Mitrani, so th- this last paragraph of the Maritz, he gives us a big kula, that if you have a type of product which is not typically eaten with the other, uh, with the other, with the other type of food, you don't have to worry. Again, the, the, Maritz, the Maritz case, I'm not sure I understand. You have the, these pastries with meat, he says, were not typically eaten with dairy. I mean, I, I guess not. If, they, if he says they weren't, they weren't. But a common example today would be a cheese danish. People don't eat cheese danishes with, uh, with chicken. It just doesn't go. You don't eat your cheese danish with fleshing. You might eat a cheese danish after a, a meat meal, but that, the Maritz says, we're not gozer. So that this is a major hetter to make a milchig bread if the bread is some kind of uh, pastry or cake or something which would not be eaten with fleshiks. This, according to the Marit, that itself is a hetter. Rabbi Chaim Jachter says that this is, the, that this is accepted by many poskim, and this is the minuk. He says that he brings the prichadash, Peskachua brings the prichadash, says something similar, and later poskim, the Chachmas Adam, the Archashulchan, the Badi Ashulchan, accept this, this leniency of the Marit. Accordingly, he says, reputable kashrus agencies, kashrus organizations certify dairy donuts and croissants as kosher. Even if there's nothing that'll tell about this croissant or this Danish that tells you it's a cheese Danish, you can't tell. It's, it's not obviously different from the chocolate Danish necessarily. It doesn't matter because nobody's eating his Danish with a salami sandwich. You're not going to make a, uh, make a sandwich and put salami in the middle of your cheese Danish, any kind of Danish. So it's not going to happen. Even if you don't know it's dairy, just because of our eating habits, no one's going to eat their cheese Danish with fleshics. And therefore, the, the donuts and the croissants, the, the donuts and the croissants do not, uh, are allowed to be made dairy because you, uh, there's, no, there's no realistic concern anyone's going to eat it with meat. And again, waiting six hours, is, not waiting six hours is not something we're worried about in this context. The other way around, if anybody actually wanted to make a fleshic Danish, I don't know that anybody actually wants to do that, but if anybody would want to make a fleshic Danish, that, I don't know, the Maritz says that, that his Danishes weren't eaten with dairy. Today's Danishes certainly are. So presumably the kashrus agencies 
presumably the cashless agencies would not uh, would not um, want to certify uh, a Danish, because certainly people do eat Danishes with milk in our culture. He brings her Avadi Yosef, and Yalkud Yosef rules that cheese barekas are also mutter, because he brings Arka language, similar to what we saw in the Marit, is that when, it's, when something is well known that it's meat or dairy, the prohibition does not apply, since there's no concern for a mistake. And like I said before about the barekas, Ravadia says that cheese barekas are a contemporary example. Again, you get into the Marit's question of, they're well known to whom exactly? They're, they're well known to the people who live there. Are they well known to the tourists? Are they well known to, 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 people, to people traveling on business? I don't know. Are, are cheese barekas known throughout the world as distinctive as cheese barekas? I have no idea. But Ravadia apparently felt that the, the cheese barekas, you have this heter, that people are going to immediately realize that, that this is, a, uh, that this is a, a dairy food, and they're not going to, even if a cheese bareka might be eaten with the fleshik, if it, it, it goes well together, but people know that it's cheese, and you fall back on this marit, that, 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 that as long as people know what it is, or it's not the derech to eat it with meat, he, he's relying on the other half of the marit, with the Shulchan, that, that, if, that if it's well known, we don't worry about the mistake. Again, the marit was worried that anything that's commercially sold, and, and people outside the city, it's not well known, Marit was worried about it, so what they're being makel on, what, why they're being makel, I'm not sure, either because they held it's universally known worldwide, or because they reject that aspect of the Marit, or for some other reason, that we have to look into this further, they feel that something like cheese barekas is not a problem.